Welcome to the Living Anchored Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Shores Church in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. My name is Scott Lorraine, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and we'd love for you to take a few moments and listen to our most recent sermon. We believe that it will bless your life and help you live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. The series that we're in right now, Rhythms, we're talking about resetting spiritual practices. We started with worship, we started uh, the second series with our core values, and today we're going into fasting. And how many of you get really excited when I say fast? Because instantly that means, oh, i got to cut something out. Here's the thing is, we should be excited when we talk about fasting, because that's where breakthrough comes from. So this morning, I, I don't know of a better speaker on this topic. Than, than Pastor Grant Williams. So I wanted to invite him to share about why we fast. The next week I'm gonna talk about how we're gonna fast and then guess what? We're gonna start working out some spiritual muscles next Monday. So get ready, we have a fast coming. But if you could just welcome Pastor Grant to the stage. Good morning everyone. Let's all stand together for the reading of God's word. Thank you, Pastor Scott and Annie, for I'm honored to be here today, and all the new faces I see, and I'd like to say old faces, but familiar faces as well. It's so good um, to be here in God's house. Amen? Amen? And when he says people get excited about fasting, I noticed uh, you didn't respond very, you know, like you should have, but that's okay. You're going to get there. I can tell in time, and time's going to cook. I'm going to start this morning with John 1.1. John 1.1. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word. Everybody want to know what, what's the Word? Jesus. Jesus is the Word, and this is Christ himself. This is Christ who he is. This is the Word. So in the beginning of time was the Word Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. And in John 1.14, and the Word Christ Jesus himself became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw him. We actually physically saw the word in operation. Isn't that incredible? We actually get to see the example walking around. This is how you conduct yourselves. This is how you live. Such glory as only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness and truth. So we have the word, right? We have that word. We actually saw the word in operation, but there's so many other things going on right now, not just in churches, but in the world right now. In Hebrews 13, 8, this is not on the screen, but it says that Jesus Christ is always the same. He was the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow. This does not change. This doesn't change anyone. It's not going to change. Why in Malachi 3, 6, Old Testament, I am the Lord and I do not change. Nothing's going to change no matter what everyone says. Well, this is a new way to look at Scripture. This is a new way. I got this new way. Oh, God gave me a new revelation. If it's contrary to this, it's false. There is nothing new under the sun. The Bible says that. This has been the same. It's never going to change. When someone says, I got fresh revelation, they might have fresh revelation to what's always been, but you can't have a different revelation to what God has always said can be and should be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you be with us today. You open the ears and the eyes of understanding and the excitement about what is to take place because when we hear your word, the word says it doesn't return void. So if we hear it and we believe it, even if it takes a while to wrap our head around it, lives will forever be changed today because with this information, transformation can occur through the revelation of your word 
And God, I'm excited not just about my own life because I know when I hear this word, and I'm excited and I already know what's going to be spoken and said, but I don't know still what's going to take place as a result of this because there's supernatural things that are going to occur in this body of believers. Pastor Scott is the leader of this church and the other pastors, Pastor Nick and his wife. God, you're going to do something supernatural that people could not even fathom. We give you the glorious morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, in the Bible, it also says, when you still hear false teaching and you hear certain things, that the enemy, the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy, what the enemy says, what the enemy, if it's contrary to God's word, that's what the enemy is saying. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to have for you to have life in abundance. Does that mean money? Could. If you need money, right? He provides your needs. But abundance means a fullness in your life. See, there's something about being full. I got everything full. I, he doesn't even just give you fullness. He gives you abundance of that which you need. So you, he came to show us how to live, and as a result of that, we can live in abundance. Now, but Paul wrote something in Hebrews 4, and I love this passage. And as you can tell, this is a sword. It's a very heavy sword. I've had it for years. I've used it when I preached, and I just, I, I just like to use it um, for this purpose only. All right, for the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God. This is what Jesus, remember, Jesus is the word. What Jesus says and does, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder or piercing into pieces, our soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of our thoughts and intents of our heart. Whew. Wow. If fasting scares you, that should. All right. So this right here, the Bible's like a sword. And it said it pierces us. What is it? Why would it do that? Because our natural man does things that are contrary to God's word. We do things that the enemy says, hey, this, I'm actually going to steal, rob, and destroy you. But the Bible says, no, when you read the word, it's going to cut through that. And I love when it says in the King James, which is closest to God's heart, it says, it's a little joke, everyone. All right. It's a two-edged sword, and it divides asunder, or it cuts into pieces. This big old sword is going to cut you into pieces. Now, when you start thinking about a powerful sword cutting you into pieces, do you think that's going to be just precision surgery? See, this is what people, this is what people like when they hear God's word. Okay, God... Just give me a little bitty, bitty thing that I need to maybe fine-tune in my life. And I just cut it off. See, this is not God's word. This is me trying to say, I'm, I'm actually okay. But you know what, Pastor thinks? I could maybe use a little bit of that, and I'll just cut a little, I'll trim a little fat off today. No, 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 no. God says, I'm going to use this on you. But in the end, would you rather walk out because you've been carved up by God's word? Or do you just want to trim a little fat today? God's trying to get rid of the stuff that can easily hold you back. Hebrews 12, 1. 
Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we have borne testimony already to the truth, capital T, let us strip off, cut off, and throw aside. Uh-oh, cut off, okay, cut off. Isn't it interesting? This is Paul still speaking about the same thing eight chapters later. Let's cut off and throw aside and discard every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and that sin which is readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to us and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. What is that appointed course and race? God's plan for our life. So God actually has a plan for us. You know that? God has a plan. And he's saying if you don't cut stuff off, that is holding you back, you will never see that full fulfillment of that plan that I have for you in your life. You okay, everyone? It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Trust me. So God's word is telling you and I that we need to get rid of stuff to see the full fulfillment of what he wants to have for us in our life. Not just a little bit, but all of it. The Apostle Paul is writing, there are personal issues you have, there are habits, there are thoughts, there are actions, there are even friends in your life that you need to cut off. <laughs> There's two people, okay. Those are, whoever friends with those two people, guess what? You're down one, right? Amen. You keep, you keep saying that. I'm telling you right now, this is what, the hardest thing about God's word is when you actually do it. You can hear it. But he says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Man, I could hear it all day long, but to do it, oh my goodness, let me take that little knife out and just to trim a little bit out. No, take it out, cut the whole thing off. So we can move, we can move on to the next step in God's plan for our life, but we gotta cut stuff off. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my... Wait, it's conditional, if you love me. Keep my commands. If you love me. What's he saying? If you love me, cut off the junk in your life. No, I need to hang on to it. God, you don't know me. Oh, yes, he does. He created you. So what are the things is Jesus is commanding us to cut off? We could go through a lot of things. So set your clocks back two hours. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just an hour. All right. So here we go. God's word is telling you and I today to see our destiny in him, his plan, his will, his purpose in our life. We need to get rid of some things. Here's some things. Proverbs 6.16, the wisest man who ever lived. The Bible says so. There's six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are abomination to him. Verse 17, a proud look. Hmm. Now, that's not me. So look at your neighbor right now. It's probably them. <laughs> proud look. The spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. Oh, got quiet. What does God hate? A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Verse 18, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. You can look up in their definition. That's pride, too. All of these are out of the root of pride. Feet that are swift and running to evil, in verse 19, a false witness who breathes out lies, even under oath, and he who sows discord amongst his brethren. So God hates pride. And what, what is birthed out of pride? All those things right there. I would say that would probably be a good place to start with cutting off. Anyone? Pride. 
Once again, it's probably just the person next to you. This is for them today. Now, verse 17, in another translation, says, you consider yourself superior, and you consider only what you think and do is right. Uh-oh. So pride's evil. Pride lies. Pride gossips. Pride hurts people. Pride causes people in your own family to hurt because of your pride. Pride says, I know how this will end. Pride always knows what's going to happen. So pride, really, one of the ramifications or outward signs of pride is also fear and anxiety. Because pride says, I know how this is going to turn out, so you become fearful and you don't do something that God is telling you to do. I become anxious about tomorrow because I forget in the God's word. He is the word since the beginning of time, same yesterday, today, forever. He says, be anxious for what? But I become anxious. I know, but this is totally different. We only don't want to be anxious when we have nothing to be anxious for. Isn't that great when we quote scriptures when we don't need it? Well, that was good. Oh, you'll get it later. That's fine. <laughs> but fear is a result of pride, depression, anxiety, because things don't turn out the way we think. People aren't changing the way that we think we should change. Our adult children aren't turning out the way we think they should. Pride says, I raised them better than that. But God said, you raised them great. Now let me, let me get in there. David said, man, I can't even sleep at night. He goes, but now I can because I know the Lord will sustain me. God's got this. Now, pride. Pride's interesting. Pride is a noun. Pride, you know what a noun is? It's a person, place, or a thing. So a thing, it can be identified. Pride is actually combined. That person is prideful. Or you have pride. It's a thing. Here's a pride defined. Now, in this definition of pride, from the 1828 Noah Webster. Noah Webster, for those of you who don't know, the 1828 Webster Dictionary is the definitions in there are based upon the biblical definitions of these words. So what is he did? What he did, he goes, you know what? I'm going to look up the Hebrew, the Greek. I'm going to go on the rabbinical teaching, and I'm going to give these English words the definition of what was the intent behind these writers inspired by the Holy Spirit. Here's what pride is, and it's an inordinate, unjustifiable self-esteem, unreasonable conceit in one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs. It manifests itself in distance, in reserve, and often in contempt of others. <laughs> Didn't we just read in book Jesus hates a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans and sows discord? This is the very thing that he's saying, cut off in your life. Hold on, why, why aren't we talking about fasting, Pastor Grant? I just want to talk about not eating. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're going to get there. Don't worry, because you won't be hungry after this. All right, I'm just I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The irony of having lunch today before you go into a fast, right? It's the one big blowout right before. But I want to share something with you this morning that I believe is supernatural revelation. It's supernatural. I mean, it's incredible. I got a master's degree in theology, and I'm just telling you, it just blows my mind. Not everyone thinks the same as you. Not everyone thinks the same as you. But I'm superior. Why do we think others are below us? Because we think we're above. 
We think our ways are above their ways. We think the way we would do it is better. You and I are not always right. It's really quiet. You know, you can actually, I got in my notes, it will probably get quiet at this moment. We often, often speak above the knowledge that we have in any situation. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, you have no idea what's going on. Right? We have no idea. Think about your own life. We become depressed, full of anxiety, fearful, prideful, because we think we know what's going on. And God goes, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> right? We think, hey, I got everything planned out. Man, I did the best I could, which you should do. God will give you wisdom. But that doesn't mean today is going to be the same as tomorrow. A lot of times our fear, our worries are based upon today as opposed to tomorrow. We become very prideful because our way, we think, is better. We think we know something because we've seen it before, Right? Therefore, nothing ever changes. No, the only thing that doesn't change is God's word. The only reason you guys were all here today is because we were changed by the word. The word didn't change so we could stay the same. We changed because the word stays the same. The only reason our lives are better, different. See, I don't know if they're better. You may not be better in the natural. Don't get caught up in that. These are earthen vessels, man. Things are going to change. But I'm looking for my spirit man to keep growing and going and going and going and going and going and going. The word changes that because the word does not change. But why, so why does the Bible, Proverbs 6, and all throughout the Bible, pride is mentioned Old Testament, New Testament, you struggle with it, cut it off, get rid of it. Why? Why do you and I struggle with pride in regarding to God's word, though? I know, you know, we all have issues with each other. Right? Yeah, yeah, they just, they don't get it like I do. You know why we have issues with God's word? Is because we wouldn't solve it the way God would. Someone says, you got an issue in your life? Let's go to God's word. You read it and go, no, that's not it. No, no. Pray for your husband. No, I tried that. No, mm -mm, no. Pray for your spouse. She'll change. No, no, God. I've been, I've been married now for three weeks. Nothing's going to change her. <laughs> My child is now six months old. No, they will never sleep through a night their whole life, right? When you first have that child, you think that's going to be like their whole life. No, you're not going to be changing diapers when they're 19. Hopefully. But there are things in our head when we read God's word and he says, this is how you handle it. We go, no, that's not how you handle it. So what happens? We try to gather as much information and go to friends and books and try to get something that says it's Christian, but it gives us a total different way out. We try to handle it like a Christian because we get false information from another Christian. Got to be careful. Why? Because that's pride. Pride says, God, that's not the way to handle this. I love it. In Proverbs 14, 12, once again, wisest man who ever lived. It says, there is a way which seems right to man. It's pride. And appears straight. This appears like it's the right thing. But at the end of the way, it's death. This, this seems, it just feels right. Isaiah 55, 8. 
For my thoughts, now this is God talking. See the capital M? This is not what you say to your spouse or your child or your boss at work. You don't say this to your superior at work. My thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> Neither are your ways. Felt like a Star Trek moment right there. <laughs> Jim, I'm sorry. <laughs> Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, God's saying my ways are higher than your ways. In the beginning was what? So doing it this way is higher than what you think it should be done. Why do I struggle with pride? Because I'll handle it, let a little more dust get on that thing for a little bit till I needed it again to confirm something that I already believe. My thoughts are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Imagine someone thinking higher than you. That's why we struggle with the word. So how do I know if I have pride? Do you get offended easily? Sure, we all do, right? Some people like say, I don't care. Well, why don't you care? Well, I just stopped going to those places that I would actually have to care about. So we become isolationists. Do you become an isolationist? You're prideful. You don't want to be around people who put you down or who, you, who make you feel inferior to them. There's so many ways we can manifest if we have pride. Humility does not get offended. Humility does not mean, mean dormant. Humility actually means doing it God's way. So pride says, I'm going to do it my way. So pride gets offended. Pride gets anxious. Pride has limits. Pride says, well, I can't do this, so it can, must, cannot be done. God says, with me, all things are possible. So pride gets in the way from religious people, friends, pastors. doesn't matter. At work, it doesn't matter. As soon as you start putting limits on God, you become prideful. Because you're saying, I know how this is going to work out, and God can't do this. Oh, yes, he can. And you better watch it when you start challenging God that he won't do it. Oh, oh boy. We could take off from that, but let's keep going. Here's some warnings of pride. Proverbs 11:2. When swelling and pride come, meaning I do it my way, I think about the outcome, I, I've already run through it, I haven't checked the word, then emptiness... And shame come also. But with the humble, those who are lowly, who have been pruned and chiseled by trying, I'm going to stop right there. Those who are lowly, that doesn't mean you're a doormat. That means I think of the way I would do this lower than what the word says. I'm going to say that one more time. You're looking at me like, okay, hold on. I'm going lower than the word because I know that God's thoughts are better than my thoughts. His ways are better. So I'm going to come lower. I'm going to be pruned and chiseled by trial. So I have to go through something to be chiseled by trial. And I'm going to be, so I can be skillful with godly wisdom and soundness. So it sounds like when I'm humble, I have to go through a trial because I have to be chiseled because I got to move on to the next thing. 
When I'm pride, pride gets stuck. Pride actually goes backwards. Why? The Bible says so. When swelling and pride come, bam, you fall down and it's emptiness and shame. What happens when you're full of emptiness and shame? You become isolationist, you back away. Humility, which we think in our minds, see, that's what I'm saying, it's so important to understand the definitions. When, we, when the Bible says to be humble, it just says do it God's way, and we're going to find out what happens when we do it God's way. Because Proverbs 16, 8, pride does, comes right before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride takes us down. Pride prevents us from where you could have been and where you could go in Christ if you let his thoughts and his ways take over what you're going to do. Stop having an unreasonable conceit of oneself because you will be limited by your emotions and your feelings. Has anyone thought something one day or felt something one way and then the next day you felt differently? Anyone? I'm going to quit. Okay, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm going to tell that person off and you don't see that person and the next day you're glad you didn't tell that person off? See, you know, our feelings and emotions can get us into trouble. Right? Feelings and emotions get us in trouble. Oh, Bible talks about that too. You know our feelings and emotions are based upon pride. We see something, we react to it, we speak it. You hurt me, you damaged me, you offended me. I wouldn't have done it that way. We speak, and I wish we could take it back. But it is the spirit, Jesus said in John 6, 63. It's the spirit. The spirit, well, that you know in the New Testament, Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it says the spirit only speaks of God's word. It's the Spirit only speaks this. The Holy Spirit is not going to guide you something contrary to this. Oh, the Holy Spirit, who told me to steal today, <laughs> told me to curse out the lawn guy because he got a little crooked. Holy Spirit told me that. No, he didn't. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak anything contrary to the Word. So it's the Spirit, it's the Word that gives life. The word is the life giver. The flesh, I love this, the flesh. When you look this up in the Greek, the flesh, my natural, my natural prideful self. The flesh, my natural feelings and emotions based upon pride conveys no benefit to me whatsoever. Gets you into trouble. Didn't it say pride causes you to fall, causes you to stumble, causes emptiness? Man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Now you're ashamed. Now you're embarrassed. Have you ever, I don't care if it's work, if it's a relationship with family, you say something and then it gets awkward for a couple of years. You know, so I said years there, because it can turn into years, can it? Just a little thing can expand so big, so big. So stop looking at circumstances, take a snapshot in your mind, say, I've seen this before, and react based upon your feelings and emotions because it profits you nothing. It's the word. It says, stop it. Stop being offended. Stop being, because fear is not from me. Cast all your cares upon me. Anxiety, anxiousness, get rid of it. So, our experiences tell us on the outside that we can take a snapshot, and that's what it means. Now, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, Samuel, godly man, God's mouthpiece was said, hey, I want you to go choose the king. So this is a godly man, Samuel. God's mouthpiece. He's talking with God. He's, I mean, he's, he's in tune. Just because you're godly doesn't mean you can't miss it. I'm not saying you're not a follower of Christ. I'm saying we can let pride get in the way. Right? Anyone? But the Lord said to Samuel, so Samuel's lining up all the, all the brothers, 
God said to Samuel, Samuel's like, well, then who? If it's not the good-looking one, if it's not the tall one, if it's not the strong one, if it's not the one who looks like he's supposed to be a king, who is he? God said, Samuel. That's why it's important to humble ourselves. God speaks to us. Samuel's humble right here. Stop looking on the appearance or at the height of someone's stature. Remember what pride does? Pride has a self-esteem. It looks at the outside appearance. I have rejected him. Everything that you're looking at, the prideful people, Samuel, I've rejected them. For the Lord sees not as a man. Oh boy, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We can act like we're a good Christian because we got it all put together. I got my Bible. Man, I put it on the car. I put it on the dashboard. I got it on my phone. I got my Jesus bumper sticker. I got my little fishy everywhere, right? I got the cross hanging on the outside of the neck, and I wear a suit every single Sunday, and oh my goodness, I only swear on Fridays and Saturdays. I mean, even God takes a break, right? I mean, come on. He rested, so. The opposite of pride. What do you think that is? Humility. The opposite of pride is humility. So we know God doesn't like pride. We've got to cut it off with humility. Fasting, interesting. Fasting and humility are almost always interchangeable in the scriptures. If you look at someone who says they humbled themselves, if you look maybe later in that passage and or you look in the original Greek or Hebrew, it says they were fasting and humbly. It's the same thing. You fasted and you humbled yourself because fasting means I'm going, out with, I'm going without something, food, that I think I need. How many think they need to eat every day, right? I mean, every day I need to eat, right? I got a headache, I need to eat. I need to eat three times a day. I need to eat five times a day. My metabolism. I need to eat 14 times a day. You're not gonna believe it, I just get hungry. I just eat little bird meals all the time. I just eat, we get in our mind what we think we need to have. But you know, there's people who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And that is your challenge to, I'm just kidding, all right. <laughs> I, I didn't want to spring a surprise on you, but it is, it's a 40 day no food challenge. No, I'm just kidding. We think, have you ever had kids, your kids, if you have, if you have children or anybody, they're just gonna die if they don't get something to eat. We would drive, we're driving cross country and Zach and Paige, my two children, they're 27, 24 now. Dad, if I don't get something to eat, like right now, I'm gonna die. You're actually gonna die right now? Right, right now, you're just gonna die. I mean, we ate like an hour ago and you're gonna die, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. But you know in the Bible, people have sold their whole life away for a bowl of soup. Because in the natural, they think they have to do something. I just have to say this. I have to do it. I have to think. I have to, I have to act this way. I just have to. And you know what God's saying? We're going to try humbling yourself by not eating. Because eating, eating isn't a sin, but not eating doesn't make you holy. It's the act of humbling yourself, going without that what you think you need in order to hear what God would have to say to you about how to handle the situation. Here's humility, taken from 1828 Noah's um, Webster. Freedom from pride and arrogance, a modest estimate of one's own abilities, 
In theology, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement, penitence for sin or remorse, feeling sorry, hey, I did it, I messed up, submission to God's will or God's way of acting and thinking. Notice, acting. Humility doesn't mean I do nothing. I just do it God's way. When I humble myself, I pray, I'm fasting, God's speaking to me. I have this practice of going that without which I need. That's just a practice I'm going. I'm going without that which I need. I'm curving all the time. Oh, I really could eat. I really could eat. No, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. What are you training yourself for? Because when someone does something to you at work and you really want to say something, that, that's not what God would do. You're training your body to take captive the thoughts because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are better than your ways. And I don't want to say it. I don't want to speak it. Why? Because it comes from a place of pride. They've offended you. Don't cut short that what God has called you to be at. James 4.10, humble yourselves, feel very insignificant in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Who's going to exalt you? God will. Pride says, I exalt me. Humility says, God exalts me. And that takes faith because that means it's God's timetable. <laughs> oh, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Oh, God, I, if I just did this right now, believe me, everything I've always wanted would happen. No, it wouldn't. No. That's just pride. It's trying to get your, that's selling your bowl of soup for the rest of your life. A lack of faith or pride. Lack of faith in pride. Pride has limits. Pride is based upon your, your abilities. That's the definition of pride. That is the scripture's definition of pride. Pride says what I can do. Pride has limits. Because pride has limits, fear is based in pride. Because of that, faith dwindles when pride increases. Pride looks at what you can do. Faith is what God can do. When you have a high sense of pride and Paul said, cut that thing off, Proverbs says, God hates it when you have pride. Why? Because faith and pride can't exist together. Can't happen. Well, this is, this is what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. I put my trust in what God says and I have faith that he will perform his word. So we need to stop trying to first fix things ourselves. We stop trying to act on our emotions and our feelings, right? It's been a long time, God. I'm, come on, man. I'm trying to climb this corporate ladder and I'm 21 years old. <laughs> See, we laugh at that because we understand how silly that sounds, right? But do you know the maturation of maybe a child takes years. Think about how immature you and I can be, right? I'm 50 years old, and there's nothing like a Slim Jim in a Mountain Dew. <laughs> I like wearing my hat backwards and driving across and jamming the radio. You know, you start thinking about, you know what, we still have some childlike tendencies in us, you know? I'm not saying that's wrong. Matter of fact, that's actually really godly what I just said that you can do. <laughs> mountain Dew is actually dew from the mountain. That's biblical. <laughs> You can look it up later. I'll find it. <clears throat> Exodus 10.3. Remember, humbling yourself doesn't mean do anything. Don't do anything. It means just do it God's way. Exodus 10.3. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh 
and said what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, is how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? See, there's always a choice. Our way, prideful way, or the humble way, or God's way. One's fear, one's faith. He's saying, he's giving Pharaoh options. How long will you refuse to humble yourself? Humble yourself mean, are you gonna do, because God was, Moses was God's mouthpiece, and he's saying, this is what I want. Let my people go, right? Charlton Heston's awesome. He goes, if you don't, I'm giving you options. You can hold them, or you can let them go. 1 Samuel 2, 7, he humbles and he exalts. Interesting, you can humble you, or God will. <laughs> I would much rather humble myself, right? Right? Pick and choose your humbling moments, right? You know, in the New Testament, and back in the rabbinical time, they actually fasted twice per week. They said, whoa, I'm getting a little out of line here. Well, it's only been two days since we had church, <laughs> right? It's usually three days before we start to drift, right? It's usually Wednesdays. That's why we always have church Wednesday nights is we drift by Wednesday. The word just gone, it fades. First Kings 18. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you limp between two opinions? So the word knows that we are constantly struggling with God's way or our way. Anyone? Our way or God's way? I mean, the, the, he's saying one's prideful, one's humility. It's God's way all the time. But we don't. Why? Because it doesn't make sense. Because it takes faith. But when we have pride, it's hard to have faith. Here's a promise when we humble ourselves. If my people, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Oh, there's some things we have to do if. It's conditional. If my people. You choose if you want to. How long will you limp between two opinions? Well, what do I have to do then? Humble yourself. What is he talking about? Fasting. Do it my way. Then you're going to hear something. I want to hear from heaven, so there's things we have to do. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself before God's mighty hand, so in due time he may exalt you. How much time? I don't know. That's where we can get frustrated and anxious and pride will kick in. Pride gets offended easily. Pride doesn't see things supernaturally. It sees naturally. This is why Elijah said, Elisha said in 2 Kings, fear not, for those who are with you are more than those who are against you. Elisha was with the servant, and they were in deep trouble. They thought they were going to be killed, wiped out. He said, God, I pray that you open up the eyes of my servant, and then he did, and he saw all these chariots and God's army all surrounding him. He said, God, open up his spiritual eyes. Open up his faith eyes. Because he's full of pride right now. Well, no, no, he was fearful. Right, because pride told him he was going to die. I know what this situation means. Enemy's going to kill me. I know, trust me, all my friends have died this way. This is what happens. <laughs> so why bring up pride and humility? Why, when speaking about fasting? Why would I do that? Are, Pastor Graham, are you sure that this has anything to do with fasting? That faith has something to do with humility and pride. Yes, I do. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. 
Jesus came to the multitude, and there came a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has epilepsy and suffers terribly, for frequently falls into the fire and many times into the water. So there is an issue. All his disciples were out and about doing miraculous things. They were with Christ. They believed him. They were holding on to Jesus, and everything was great. People were being saved, and people's lives were being changed. In verse 16, so this man said, Jesus, I brought him to your disciples, and they, this is the one that they couldn't cure. So they've been healing everybody else, right? All these miracles were taking place, right? But all of a sudden, it stopped. What happened? Jesus answered, he looked at the disciples and said, oh, faithless and perverse people. Wait, 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 wait. Because you couldn't do something that I instructed you to do, and I'm not saying everyone gets healed, everybody, every single time, but this person Jesus wanted healed at that moment. This, is, this was his moment. This is what he wanted to happen at this moment. How do I know? Because it's going to take place right now. But he wanted his disciples to be on. See, Jesus wants his hands extended. Jesus left and brought the Holy Spirit, so now you can continue to do the work. The Old Testament said, it says, now the kingdom of God is on your shoulders, and I want you to expand the kingdom. And he goes, listen, I have to go away, New Testament, so the Holy Spirit can come upon you and multiply and do the work. Jesus answered, you faithless people, bring him in. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed out of him. The child was cured that very hour. Then came his disciples. Now they went to the side, said, Jesus, Jesus, okay, what's the deal? Why, why couldn't we do this? He said, because of your unbelief. Once again, I'm not trying to say everyone gets healed, and if you don't get healed, it's because you're unbelief. I'm talking specifically about this story. Everyone understand that? Don't, don't run away from this and pull something out of here that is not being said. Amen. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And they said, if you could speak to a grain of mustard seed, it shall be the mountain removed, and it shall be removed. Verse 21. Verse 21. How be it then, this kind of power does not go out but by prayer and fasting. What happened? The disciples were going through the motions. They were the Jesus, and everything was happening, and they forgot it wasn't them doing the work. They forgot that they had to humble themselves, and they got prideful, and they thought they could do something on their own. That's what happened to Samson. Samson was doing things in his own strength, and it says he didn't even know the Spirit had left him. We think we're good, but we do good principles in the Bible, and we're look, we look at our own stature, we become prideful, and then when things don't just keep falling at our feet, we go, God must not love us. No, the Spirit left you a long time ago. You just didn't even know it. Well, Jesus instructed us how to fast. Jesus instructed us how to fast. For brevity's sake, I'm going to give you some uh, where it's located. Matthew 6. Matthew 6 in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about when you give, when you pray, our Father without in heaven, hallowed be their name, right? Does everyone know that? That he's telling us how to pray, he's telling us when we give, what we're supposed to do when we give, and then he also says whenever you pray. So whenever, so whenever you pick me up, whenever you do this, whenever you do this, is the assumption that you're going to do it. All throughout Scripture, we know that you are supposed to humble yourself. So does a command, and if you love me, you will keep my commands, John 14, 15, all throughout the book of John. So whenever you fast, 
Verse 16, Matthew 6. Don't look gloomy. Don't look dreary as the hypocrites do. Oh, my goodness. I'm humbling myself. Look how I'm humbling myself. I haven't ate, I haven't ate in three hours. Oh, my goodness. Look at, look at the, is it the Spirit on me yet. Is the Holy Spirit and His power just moving on me? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to post on Facebook. I haven't eaten in like eight minutes. And I, and I passed I passed this, my favorite pastry shop. And, I, and I, I smelled it, but I didn't eat it. And I was just, I got the scratch and sniff cookbook and God's with me, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing it. He says, stop doing that. Stop looking dismal. He said, you're trying to look like it, your fasting is going to be apparent to everybody because you're trying to look spiritual and religious. You're trying to look like, <laughs> look how I beat myself up for God. Oh, I must be his chosen. <laughs> Do you see how much weight I lost? It must be I'm holy. It must be. Verse 17, but when you fast, so this is what you don't do when you fast, but this is when you do. It says, it says, when you fast, perfume your head and wash your face. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. So I have to buy, I could buy a new perfume? No, it's saying you don't walk around like it's dreadful. Why? Something incredible has got ready to take place when you fast and humble yourself. Why? Because you're going to hear from God's plan. Oh, okay, all right. I'm getting wound up. It's fine. Okay, still got two hours. We're good. Okay. <laughs> why am I doing this? Why, why do I want to have this glow about me? Why do I want to be even more presentable than ever before? So now when you fast, verse 18, your fasting may not be noticed by, by men, but by your Father. God, I'm expecting something here. That's what? That's faith. When I fumble myself, I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to hear from you. I'm going to hear from you. God sees in secret, and who he sees in secret, he will reward and open. Oh, oh, oh. He's going to exalt you in due time. He's going to do something for you. So I know when I fast, and I'm not fasting because I want to get something. I'm fasting because I want God's direction for my life. God's direction for your life may not be easy at the moment, but God's direction is going to take you someplace where you never dreamed that you could go and connect you with people you never thought you could. John 4.10, humble yourself and he will exalt you and lift you up. Real quick now. I'm going to give you three examples in the Bible and we're going to close. You okay? Y'all good? All right. Why should I fast? Fast before you go through a difficult time. Jesus, the Son of God, baptized, right? Came out of the water. Dove came upon him, right? Holy Spirit descended upon him. And the scripture said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Spirit immediately took him out into a barren desert. Wait, this is my moment. I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And actually, it says in Luke, it said a voice came down from the heavens and it said, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. I was just filled with the Holy Spirit. I get to do God's plan. God's well pleased with me and now he's making me go fast but I'm good now. If everything's going good, why would I fast? So the Son of God went and fasted immediately in Mark 1. Immediately, coming out of the water, dove came upon him, boom, this is my son, well, well please, bam, he goes out into the wilderness to be tested. To be tested. God's saying, that's great. I give you this power strength. Now go humble yourself. Wait for my plan. Wait for my direction because it's going to be difficult. I would say Jesus' three and a half years, although full of miracles, was very difficult. 
He was mocked by the religious people of the day. Friends, family, loser, stay away from him, right? Even his disciples tried to manipulate out of pride how he was supposed to be king. So why am I fasting? Because I'm about to, you can see, see, Jesus didn't fast to go around something. He fasted to go through something. Right now, my wife and I, we moved back. We were in California. Her, her mom has dementia. I came back, no job. But I fasted because I know I had to go through something. You don't fast to go around it. You fast for the strength to go through it. Second thing, why else should I fast? For hope. For strength while you're going through it. There was David, I'm sorry, Daniel, the Daniel fast, which many of you are probably familiar with, right? Don't eat meat. What a crazy fast, right? <laughs> and for those of you who are vegetarians, you have to eat meat for 21 straight days. <laughs> I don't like vegetables, and if I can only eat vegetables, that's what we do here. We just... But Daniel knew the word, right? Daniel fasted those 21 days in Daniel 10. Daniel knew they had gone through this captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys remember that story in Sunday school? He went through the fiery furnace. Daniel saw that. Daniel in chapter 6 was thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he did what was right. He was praying. I humble myself. God, I'm going to pray. I don't care what happens. And their people schemed, right? What does pride do? Pride schemes to get other people in trouble. These prideful people saw that this holy man was getting elevated in government and we need more Christians in government, everybody? Yeah. Oh, okay, some of you, all right. It's, it should happen, all right. But just so you know, you can be godly and be elevated. Bible says so, in due time you'll be exalted. David was godly and he kept moving up in this kingdom that he had no part of. He was a Hebrew brought into Babylon. In modern day Iraq, this is where David was, Daniel was thriving. And Daniel said, okay, hold on. According to Scripture, see, you always pray Scripture to everyone. You pray the promises on God's words. Daniel was praying the promises of God's word from Isaiah and Jeremiah because he knew the word. And he says, the 70 years, God, you said 70 years we were going to be in captivity. When are we going to be freed? When are we going to be freed? So in the third year, Daniel chapter 10, there was great tribulation and conflict. And they thought, a lot of people thought this was the end of time. They thought this was the great tribulation. So David said, I eat no pleasant and desirable food or any meat. That's what I'm saying. Meat's desirable, everyone. Okay. For 21 days or three full weeks. That's where we get this fast from. He wanted to hear from God. Why am I fasting? Because I want to hear from God. David's not, Daniel's not asking God to solve it during this time. He's saying, when is it coming? It said Daniel, his body was golden, his heart, oh, oh, I love this. Okay, time-wise, we're okay. Everybody, we're going to be fine. Lunch is, they put it on the heater. It's all good. Verse 9, Daniel chapter 10. I heard the sound of his words. This is an angel. And I heard the sound of the words. I fell on my face in a deep sleep, and my face sunk to the ground. Behold, a hand touched me. Wow, would you guys, can you imagine fasting and praying? You hear a voice from heaven and a hand actually touches you? Wow. And the angel said to me, Daniel, you are a greatly beloved man. Hmm. Didn't, that's what God said to Jesus as he came out of the water. With you I'm well pleased, beloved son. Understand the words I'm about to speak to you and stand upright. 
Verse 12, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Do you know that God hears you when you pray? (laughs) And I came as a consequence of your words. What were Daniel's words? Scripture. God, you said this was in your word. When are you going to perform your word? When are you going to perform your word? When are you going to perform your word? He humbled himself. God, I need to know why, because I need to be strengthened, because all the people around me, they're being slaughtered, they're being wiped out, and I, I, I need to know, what can I tell them, not just for me, but to encourage other people around me? Verse 17, the Lord's servants talk with this Lord, and he says, for now, my strength, it's still gone. There's no strength in me. He was done. I'm fasting, I'm done, I've humbled myself, I've tried to deal with this situation on my own, and there's nothing left in me. In verse 18, then the angel touched me again, Daniel, one whose appearance was like that of a man, he strengthened me, and he strengthened me. If you need to be strengthened while going through something, fast. It seems counterintuitive to our natural self. Why would I go without? That would make me weaker. Nope. Verse 19, he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you, be strong, be strong, be strong. And when you have spoken to me, I have strengthened you. And let the Lord speak now for you, for you have strengthened me. God will strengthen you during your time of fasting. God will strengthen you. Lastly, Moses fasted. I could give you so many passages in the Bible of different characters in the Bible who fasted for different reasons. But Moses fasted. Moses was leading people, leading families, leading businesses. If you're a business owner, you are leading families because what you do affects your workers, which affects your families. If you're working for a business, pray for your business owner. Moses fasted. Moses was not a born leader. Moses was a murderer. Moses was a stutterer. Moses was an isolationist. He moved away. He moved out of God's plan. So I'm telling you, everyone can be used from God if you can humble yourself. Nah, I'm a screw up, I'm a mess up, it's for somebody else. Nope, it's time to get back into God's plan. Exodus 34, Moses was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking water. It can be done. He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. In his face, verse 30, his face was radiant. He wasn't fasting. It didn't say he was sunken in, he was white. It didn't say he couldn't move. He started to glow. Moses was coming, something was happening to Moses, and he, this is when he was getting the Ten Commandments, everyone. He was coming down with the tablets right now. They saw his face in verse 35, and it was radiant. Moses didn't even know that there was this light beaming off of him, and he was able to give us direction thousands of years later with God's commands to us, but just to those people as well. Remember, you're not fasting for yourself. You're also fasting for other people. But fasting doesn't always change other people, but it sure does change you because you see things differently. Personal story, then we'll close. As a pastor's kid growing up, uh, grew up in Plymouth. My dad was a pastor there for 17 years. And I probably in my 20s, I got married 19 to my wife and married 31 years. I got two children. But in my 20s, I took a hiatus from Jesus. Does anyone know what that means? backslid, got away, no longer followed. Oh, were you doing really bad stuff? Nope. I don't have any great stories, you know. I got out, went to the bars every single I got hammered, had a girlfriend on this. I had nothing. So I couldn't be a bad guy, right? Sure, I was doing it my way. I was full of pride. God hates that. 
My marriage was struggling. It was terrible. But my wife decided to start praying for me. We had a great house in Farmington Hills. We had money. But it was, I thought life was great, except for her. She was too godly. She was always at church. She was always, and I was a pastor's kid. And I was like, eh, because you know what pride does? Pride makes you more lofty than the other person, right? So we were frustrated, getting angry all the time. Oh, she just started to start praying for me. Every single week, I'm sitting there in church. My dad had moved away. He was on the east side pastoring. I'm sitting right about over there. And they would have prayer across the front. And this guy, Roger Heitman, she would go up every single week and pray for me. They would both turn around and look and point. That's the, that's, that's, that's the guy right there. Right? In my mind, I was doing everything I knew about. Well, you have a huge house, you got cars paid for, you got all this thing, but something happened. At age 29, life was good. We worked out, we had this gym in our basement, and I mean, we're just, right? Everything on the outside, you could look at me and say, wow, God's blessings upon you, right? I could fool anybody. Matter of fact, the Saturday, that Saturday night, I was ordering a Porsche 911, and I woke up that next day for church, couldn't breathe. What's going on? I have an allergic reaction? They're getting ready for church? What's going on? Can't breathe. Oh, you must have ate something. I'm not allergic to anything. So it got worse. My face started turning blue. She takes me to a little urgent care down the street off 12 Mile and Drake. All of a sudden, she drops me off. <laughs> I'm barely walking in. She was gracious enough to drop me off, though, at the front. <laughs> I walk in. By the time she had parked, and my six- and three-year-old had come into the house, I mean, into the urgent care, I had already been in cardiac arrest twice, nitroglycerin pills in me, my, my clothes were all cut up, and they're whisking me out the back door in an ambulance going to the next facility of Providence. I was there for not very long, and they realized I had six blood clots in my lungs, and they weren't equipped to handle that, so they shipped me out to Beaumont off of Woodward. During that time in, my, in the emergency room, I had seven different pastors and priests, Episcopalians and uh, rabbis, and give me last rites. The last one was a priest giving me my last rites. Now, what a joy that was. Being leaned over and doing this, and you're, you're dead. You're, you're gone. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on, right? What is going on? Because remember, God gives us two choices. You can humble you or I'll humble you. So God gave you six blood clots? No, his hand of protection was off of me. Things happen to you when God's hand of protection. I'm not saying just because you're sick, you're living wrong. I'm just saying I know why that affliction came upon me. God had to get my attention. As I sat there in the hospital, the first three days, seven of the 14 people in my hallway died. By the third day, I said, hey, when can I get out of here? They go, dude, you should have died. Just chill. I was in ICU for... 21 days. Interesting, Daniel, 21 days. During that time, God changed me, worked on me, st started going to, didn't tell my wife, I started doing Bible school training at night, correspondence courses, somebody's a God born and raised. A couple of years later, we, I was asking for direction for God. He says, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a builder anymore. I was a GC. I was building subdivisions and condos and houses. Life was great. And I just, this is awesome. God, thank you. Blessing this upon me. I was doing worship on the side. And I was like, this is great. I just love the way it was. God, please don't change anything. 
He goes, you're going to go into full-time ministry? I said, no, please, I don't want to go to full-time ministry. <laughs> God, I love you, though. Why would you send me into full-time ministry? Don't you love me? And I gave God two choices. I said, you, God, here's the choice. I love it. See, I was still, you see, once you're a negotiator, you're a negotiator, right? And I said, these are two good godly choices. Listen, I'm, th I'm like, you know, I'm older, God. I'm 32 years old. Why don't you, why don't you send two guys into ministry who don't have money and I'll pay for it? I'll pay for, this is, I make enough money, I'll just pay for people's colleges. Give them to me. I want to do it. He goes, no, I want you to go. I go, no, I don't want to do that. So I'm telling my dad, not telling her, he goes, fast. My dad goes, just fast. I knew what the answer was going to be, so I didn't want to fast. <laughs> Why don't you want to humble yourself? Because you're afraid of the answer. Because it'll be God's ways and not your way. My actual, my actual mantra of prayer was your way or my way. God, your way or God's way. Your way or God's way. Your way or God's way. So after 90 days, I didn't go 90 days without food. I'd take nine days here and four days here, and I just went over as I felt God's leading me. After the 90th day, I'm going to a job site, going down 96, passing... Wixom Road, it started to rain, my, and it was kind of a, the, the dirty soot, you know, everyone's cars are kind of dirty, and my mom just sent me a Jimmy Swigert CD, and the song was, It's Beginning to Rain, was on, and like, oh, it started to rain, it's beginning to rain, oh, what a coincidence, and I'm praying, God, your way or my way, and a, a semi-tractor trailer pulls right in front of me, on the expressway, going about, I was going a moderate 80, and he pulls in front of me, and someone had taken their finger and right in the back of the soot, it said, do it God's way. Pulled over, called Kelly, called my dad, said, we're gone. We're selling everything. We're going to the ministry. I moved to Florida, didn't have a job, didn't know, just to get involved. Now, my wife at that time, I had no, four years before, had been praying at a women's conference with Pastor O, Buchanan, his wife, and two or three other ladies about me going to the ministry that I was too prideful and I was running from God. Four years prior. She'd been praying for me. Four years. Four years. Meanwhile, in Chicago, Illinois, there was a man named Charlie O'Halloran. He was a businessman. He owned several title companies, real estate. He had multiple investment homes throughout Fort Myers, Florida, where we were at that time pastoring. I was on staff at a church, about 3,200 people, he came in, him and I connected. His sons were going through some difficult time. I'm not sharing anything privately because actually his wife wrote a book after all this happened and got it published. Charlie went to church occasionally. Charlie was a shooter. Charlie was Irish Catholic. He was awesome. He was hilarious. He was the life of the party. Drove the big S class, you know, Mercedes. was the shooter. Was just, his three boys were not serving the Lord way far away from it. And they moved from Chicago down to Fort Myers because of ungodly influences that the, his wife saw on the boys. His wife had been praying for Charlie for over 20 years to get right with God. That's a long time to wait. You talk about fasting and praying to be strengthened during that time, you need to some fasting and praying to be strengthened. I don't know, I've never had to pray for something for 20 years straight, but I'm imagining that really takes some humility. When you don't see change happening, when you don't see God doing what you think you should be doing, it can be, you can become bitter towards God. You become prideful and go, okay, God, I gave, you two, I gave you two years and you took two years. Okay, I'll give you two more. I'll give you two more. I'll give you two more. 20 years later, they moved to Fort Myers. Charlie had to come in to see me because his son was, one of them was addicted. Us three were in my office and Charlie and I just kind of shared my story and we started talking back and forth. The nicest guy in the world. 
But he didn't need a thing. He didn't want to change. I got money. I can fly back and forth. I got businesses. Life is good, man. I go to church. And my wife, you know, she's got her thing with Jesus. Charlie and I just started connecting. Started going to Sunday school. Him and I would go out and talk. One day he called me up on a Friday and said, Pastor Grant, can I meet with you for lunch? He goes, sure, let's go. Charlie gave his heart to the Lord. It's awesome. During that previous three or four months, he started working in the coffee shop at the church. This guy's a shooter. Now he's wearing an apron. This big old Irish Catholic guy is wearing an apron, serving people coffee and wiping orange juice off, off the floor. He's getting donuts for people. He's loving it. He, this is the greatest thing he's ever done in his life. He goes, this is awesome. I just love it. On a Friday, that Sunday night just happened to be water baptism night. It wasn't my turn, but I was there to be in the tank. He got water baptized. As he stood up there, he said, I want to thank my wife first for praying for me for the last 20 years. Can you imagine? Waiting for something for that long, for praying and fasting and humbling yourself and not giving up and having the strength to persevere and to pray for your kids and all that stuff. I just can't imagine what that would be like. And he said, I want to first tell my three boys, too, that I got it wrong. Don't follow dad's footsteps. Follow them now. It was huge. The next day, I left for district council. It's something that each state does, and the assembly's got every year. I was ordained that Tuesday night. On my way back, we came back in late. I had to preach the following that next day. Kelly and I were driving back from Tampa down to Fort Myers. I got a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, and she goes, I'm sorry to wake you. I said, no, actually, I'm driving right now. She goes, could you come? Charlie's having a heart attack. He's 53 years old. Can you please come? Sure. I'm 20 minutes from your house. He had died. By the time I got there, 10 minutes later, earlier he had died. Emmys were already there. Police. Two of the three boys were still here. One had just gone back after the Sunday service back up to Wheaton College. Two of them were sitting there. They're bawling. Judy's sitting there with the biggest grin on her face. I'm looking at her. You okay? She said, five days ago, Charlie's not in heaven. She was the very thing I prayed for was that Charlie would change and he could have eternity in heaven. That's, that, that's what humility does. Humility says, I want what's the best. It may not look like I want it to look like, but I want the best for my family, and it would be for dad. Charlie gave his heart to the Lord. He died five days later. They asked me to do a funeral up in Chicago a week later. All his family do not know what's been going on with Charlie, except for one sister who had been corresponding back and forth via email. I had a video of him getting water baptized just two Sundays before. I played it at the, this church. It was an Assemblies of God church by chance. They had, no one attended there. They were looking for an open church in the summer. There were about three, 400 people there in attendance for that funeral. He had nine siblings, and she had nine. They were all Irish Catholic on his side, and he had one Irish, he had a Catholic priest who was a brother in California. As I showed the testimony that he shared in the water baptistry two Sundays before, I shared these emails and the change that I saw in Charlie and how he gave his life to Christ. I didn't, I asked everyone if they would want to receive Christ, and it was, this is the first day, this is not a one-time thing, this is continuing. And Judy and her three boys were sitting there, 63 people raised their hands to receive Christ at that funeral. 
The very thing that she had prayed for was Charlie because of his position. If God could just change him, he would have such a great impact. Like Moses, if God could just give, if God could just change Moses, Moses on the other side of the desert, then he could lead five million people out of captivity. If God could just raise up someone like Daniel who doesn't even belong into the nation of Babylon, if God could just change him, if God could just change Joseph and he could supply, all these people would be starving and one day, if God could just do this, Right? If God, that ultimately that's what wanted to happen. So in this time of prayer and fasting for 20 years, all of a sudden, 63 people because of Charlie's testimony in his life became to Christ. Amen. Three of those people were his kids, his sons. One of those people was his Catholic priest brother. As we sat there at lunch, we did a graveside, we went back, people are asking me, how do I, how do I continue this walk with Christ? How do, so I'm with pen and paper, like I don't know where your churches are at around here, but we're gonna, nah, nah, nah. the Catholic priest sat next to me <clears throat> at dinner, put his arm around me, and he goes, I've never heard the salvation message before. He said, all I know is I know Charlie, and that's not the Charlie I know, so that must be what God is. See, you might be wondering today, okay, life is good, you know what? Jesus was God's beloved son and he was well pleased with Christ and he fasted and he prayed. Why? Because he wanted to stay under that humility. He wanted to make sure that it didn't leave him like it left Samson. He wanted to make sure it didn't leave him. Yeah, but there's something I need to go through. Exactly. That's why you need to pray and fast. Don't run around the obstacle. Go right through it. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, this whole food thing, don't make it about food because you'll never be able to do it without food. Don't make this a religious thing because, you know what, no one's greater than the other person because you didn't do it for seven days and some did it for 14 days. And it's like, this is not a competition. Amen. I don't know what Pastor Scott has in store. I know, but he's a godly man. And just like Jehoshaphat in the Bible, how he led a nation in fasting and prayer, this is what he's about to do for this corporate body and believers. And guess what? In the book, in Chronicles, Jehoshaphat, guess what happened before they did time of fasting and prayer, the whole nation? They sent out the musicians first. The singers and the musicians went out to battle first. I don't know about you, but a flute can't do a lot of damage against a sword. Right? I mean, it's like, a, hey, I'm going to blast my clarinet in your ears and you're going to bleed. I mean, is this not going to take place? Why did they send the musicians first? Because they already believed that they had won the victory. So the praise went out beforehand. They didn't doom and gloom this thing. Okay, God, I'm going to pray and fast, but we're outnumbered. No, God, you got this. We're going to humble ourselves. And guess what? Just like God ordained me humbly and praying a spouse in one state, Another spouse was praying for her husband in Chicago. We meet in Florida. Just like how God can align people, if you're looking for a spouse right now, did you know that you can humble yourself and start praying and God is working on someone else's humble and praying in another state right now? Oh, that's impossible. <laughs> oh, we don't serve the God of the impossible. Pride says that's impossible. I need a new job. I just don't know what to do. Humble yourself and start praying. You change. No, I'm asking them to change at work. No, you change. God may even move you out of that place of work. But it's really close to my house. <laughs> you know that God can actually prosper you five minutes further away than we're working right now? Don't put limits on what God wants to do for your life. Don't think that just because I'm humble and praying, but who else is? There's people all over the place that are humbling and praying. You never know until those things combine. 
Can you stand with me this morning? Did you guys get this? You excited about fasting and praying? Who wants to be in God's will? It's close. It's close. Remember, fasting and praying, it's not about changing everyone else. It's about changing you. Humility says all things are possible. Pride has no faith. Humility is full of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I just want this morning, if you want to come forward and you're saying, I'm ready to humble myself, I'm ready, I'm ready to move on, I just want you to come forward. We're going to pray over you right now. Come on, just come on down. If you're ready, if you want to be under God's plan, if you want to change, if you're ready to do it, I just want you to just stand around up front. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I just want you to come stand on front. It's better when we're all doing this together, right? Pastor Scott's calling for a corporate fast. If you want things to change, if you're ready to humble yourself, if you want to change, if you want to change, you come on forward. If you want to change, because you're getting ready to humble yourself. See, God stands before you. So remember, humility, humility is an act, right? Humility is doing nothing. Humility is an act. I'm walking forward right now. It says, God, use me. I want to be used because I'm about to, I, I'm going to do something, God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to go without because I want to hear from heaven. Before we pray this morning, I just want you to understand that I want you during this time of prayer and fasting to pray the word. Don't pray your desires. Don't pray your dreams. Don't pray what you think is right. Pray the word. And when God pushes you through the Holy Spirit, he's always going to line up with the word, right? He's going to give you direction, and it's going to line up with the word. And it may be difficult, but that pride, that's pride getting in the way. Because remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of the king is, there is power. If you're reading that word, there's power in God's word. There's power. It's going to remind you why you're doing it, right? The word says that we can have the mind of Christ. So I'm going to read that word because I want the mind of Christ. And he is the word. So I'm going to continually read the word at all the time. The word says in James, if any of you lack wisdom, you can ask for it. And he will give it to anybody who wants wisdom. You can actually get wisdom from God. Thank you for joining us today on the Living Anchored Podcast. If this message impacted you, please remember to follow so you can see all of our content in the future and share on social media so other people can have their life impacted as well. Our mission at the Shores Church is to help people live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. So your help will definitely help us accomplish our goal. If you're interested in helping support our church financially, please go to theshoreschurch.org, click on Give, and you'll be able to do so that way. Have a blessed and incredible day, and we look forward to having you with us next time.